Good morning. How are we doing? I'm, I'm John. I'm part of the staff team here, and, and it's great to be together. Quick heads up, I'm going to need your participation immediately, because we are going on the home straight of this series. Open up the windows, let the light in, open up the windows, let the light in, open up the windows, let the light in, let the light in, let the... Okay, we were nervous about the last one, weren't we? We bailed on the last one. Anyway, now, I, I hate to be a, a stickler, but I, I'm also one for, for fact-checking when it's absolutely necessary. We live in dangerous cultural times. We're swimming in muddy waters, guys. So I just want to do a little bit of a public service announcement here. Now, with all due respect to Cody Cones, Carnes even, and Carrie Job, who wrote this song, if you open up the windows, I'll accept a little bit of light may increase, but I think it's more of an airflow-based change that you would experience. I hate to say it. I just want to name it. I want to name it. The rest of the series, you're going to be in all sorts of bother. Because every time you sing it, every time you hear it, you're going to be thinking, no, no more lights coming in. It's more like, open up the curtains, let the light in, open up the French blinds, let the light in, open up the Venetian blinds, let the light in, let the light in. Okay, you really bailed on me. If this is your first time, if you've wandered in and you're like, what the heck is going on? I'm so sorry. Just sit with it. Let some of it sink in. Let the weirdness dissolve away. Some of the weirdness is good. Some of the weirdness is genuinely weird. And I'm sorry about that. Just let it go. Let it go. It has been a powerful series. Honestly, it has. Exposing the real fragility with which we operate. Inviting the light of Jesus, the power and the presence of his spirit into our lives. That's what this series has been all about. We want to be a people who are holy, a people who are pure, wholly devoted to Jesus with the entirety of our lives. And I'm praying that if you're anything like me, as each of these areas of darkness, each of these areas of fragility is exposed within my life, I realize just how great my need is of Jesus. That has been my big takeaway. Comparison, yep. That's a problem for me. Judgmentalism, yep, not as big as a problem as it is for them, but it's a problem for me (laughs) as well. Slothfulness, experiencing numbness in my faith, in the living experience of my faith, yeah, that is a problem. But hopefully it has also been a place where every week we've encountered the Spirit. We've given space for Him to come and deliver us from evil. That is what we're trying to do in that prayer. Come and deliver us from the darkness with which we live And instead, leave this place as free followers of Jesus. That is the aim of this series. So here's my encouragement through these weeks. Particularly if you're jumping in late. If you're jumping in late to this, go all in. Dive in. Dive in. Surrender it all. Because here's my conviction. There is some incredible news. There's also some challenging news. Here's the challenging news first. Jesus demands more of your life than you ever expected. He demands more of your life than you ever expected, but here's the incredible news. He gives more to you than you ever dreamed possible. That's what he provides, more to you than you ever dreamed possible or imagined. So today we're going to be looking at greed, that need, that impulse to constantly need more and more to accumulate. But we're also going to be looking at this invitation into generosity. And before we we jump into some teaching from Jesus that's going to help us navigate this, I just want to do two caveats. The first is this. This is not a giving talk, okay? 
This isn't something that lands with an encouragement for you to get involved in something here, supporting a ministry in the local church that needs resource, although it does, and you should. But that's, that's a completely different talk. Flick back a couple of weeks to what Pete did off the back of Vision Sunday if you want to do that. But this isn't a giving talk. That's not what this is going to be. But this is the second point, and this is, I think, more important. I'm aware that this will be a talk that is predominantly focused on money, on material possessions in a time where many in this room and across this city will be struggling. It's unprecedented financial pressure that we live in right now. And I just want to camp out here for a minute because when we look at the teaching of Jesus, it's the kingdom of God that we see him teaching on most commonly, the rule and reign of heaven coming and invading earth and in all of creation. Incredible teaching, the kingdom of heaven. But the second most common area of teaching that he has is on money. It's on possessions. It's on what we have. Why is that? Well, as we're going to see, money is likely going to be the number one rival to God for your heart. Money is likely to be the number one rival to God for your heart. That may come as a bit of a surprise. Why? Because when we're comfortable, when we're doing okay, we don't experience that. It all feels good. God's here. God's doing stuff. I feel blessed. I want to suggest that there is something really dangerous that could be going on under the surface. And we're going to try and explore what some of that is. God is constantly, he's consistently asking us to look to him to fulfill every part of our lives, every deepest need, every deepest desire, our security, our significance, our identity, our happiness, our fulfillment. But there is a different message we're being told constantly and consistently. Once you have, then you'll be fine. If you get this, you'll have made it. Once you get on the property ladder, you will be sorted for life independence. If you build your pension to be a certain level, you're going to be okay one day. I'm getting some blank faces. It's coming, guys. Pensions are coming. (laughs) If you get to this position in your career, then you will have been successful. So as we enter a time of incredible uncertainty, of potential anxiety, it's entirely right that we pause, that we ask God, what is his heart for us as we approach our money? as we approach our material possessions. Because here's my conviction. Not only are we walking headfirst into a cost-of-living crisis, we know that exists, right? We have the potential to sleepwalk into the middle of a, of a cost-of-giving crisis. That is the risk that we, as the church, that we, as disciples and followers of Jesus, could sleepwalk straight into just at the point of greatest need for us to face the world with arms open wide, We could be preoccupied with whether we're going to get through the next month. Clicking refresh on our online banking. Tap and trust on our phone whenever we buy something. Hopefully there's enough money there. So from the off, I just want to say this. If you are in need right now, and there will be many in this room and outside of this room who are in incredible need right now, I really want to encourage you, go online, go on the website, find out about all the things that might help support you through this season. And I just want to highlight three of them. If you go to kxc.org.uk slash help, you're going to find some resources there. The first is CAP. They offer free advice and support to those who are in debt. 
and want to become debt-free. KX Brunch is a community cafe, a beautiful community that exists on a Sunday morning where you can have a hot meal every single Sunday within the context of community. And the KX Care Fund it is, is a pot of money that you would have heard Pete, heard Pete talk about a few weeks ago, offering financial assistance towards immediate and emergency needs for those in the community. Please, 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 before you get distracted by anything I'm about to say, about the need to be generous. If you are really struggling, and there'll be people in this room who are struggling, go on the website, find out what you can have which might help. So we're going to jump into this passage. This is in Matthew 6. If you've got Bibles on your phones, on you go to Matthew 6. A little shout out to Lydia who's got a Bible. Come on. I love that. They're a dying breed, those things. Okay. So we're going to jump into this passage from Jesus' most famous passage of teaching. This is the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 19 to 24. It says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye of the lamp is the body. If the eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So come with me. We're we're gathered on this hillside. We're we're around Jesus. We're hearing these incredibly challenging words throughout this whole piece of teaching of what it looks like to follow him. You've heard it said, don't murder. I want to go further. Don't even be angry towards anyone. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. I don't even want you to look at someone lustfully because then you've committed adultery in your heart. You've heard it said before, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I want to go further. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Jesus is completely reframing everything that the people who would have been listening would have known about what it looks like to live under the law, what it looks like to live under Yahweh. He's raising the bar. He's inviting his followers to do exactly the same thing with their lives, raising the bar. Don't look for the minimum. Don't look to just get by. Instead, do whatever it takes to live the entirety of your life pointed towards Jesus. Now, I've recently got obsessed with Duolingo. Have we got any Duolingo users in the, in the room? Okay, brilliant. I'm, I, it's, it's a language kind of learning app. It's incredible. It's very, very addictive. I'm learning Welsh at the moment. My wife is Welsh. And, um, and it's great fun. And it's, um, I'm, I'm on a 44-day streak. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Yeah, my auntie is on like a 900-day streak, and, you know, wow. Okay, so here's the thing about Duolingo. Here's where it sucks you in. It's an incredibly clever app. It starts by giving you some basic words, and then you're like, do you want to have a two-day streak? I'm like, yes, I do. Thank you very much. And then you do day two, and you learn a little bit more. And then you kind of think, I'm having a bit of fun, but I want to let it go now. And then they're like, do you want a three-day streak? I'm like, yes, I do want a three-day streak. And essentially what they do is they invite you into an addiction. It's fantastic. It's absolutely brilliant. It works incredibly well. They've absolutely nailed it, by the way. But here's the problem. In order to keep your streak, you have to keep learning. You have to keep growing. 
That is what this app is demanding of you. And here's what I've learned, is if you go back to the very beginning and do the easiest words possible every day for three minutes, it will increase your streak every day. So I'm not learning anymore, guys. I'm not growing. (laughs) They literally just say, what's the word for dragon? I'm like, obviously drag. I know that. What's the word for, I like coffee. Obviously, it's Dwee and Hoffee coffee. Not a problem. I know this stuff. And my, my streak is going up day by day by day. Here's what Jesus is saying. Nothing to do with Duolingo. Here's what he's saying. Don't operate at the minimum. Don't get by. Why? Because you're not going to grow. You're not going to grow. You're going to stay where you are. Maybe you'll even backslide. I want you to operate in the fullness of what I've given to you. The fullness in with, with which I've created you to be. I want you to grow. That's what this sermon is all about. And we hit this passage where Jesus talks about treasures on earth and treasures in heaven. He says, don't store up treasures on earth. Don't accumulate with greed, gathering up all of these temporary things, but store up treasures in heaven. Invest in something eternal, something that goes beyond you, that goes before you. And there are a couple of questions that this passage asks us today, and I just want to sit with this for a little while. Here's the first one. What's the foundation of your life? What sits at the foundation of your life? And secondly, what's the fruit in your life? So firstly, what's the foundation of your life? What is the baseline of the song, if you will, that is playing through your life? What is going to dictate what happens with the rest of the song? What is setting the tone? What's forming the beat? The sound with which everything is going to build upon Because Jesus is is pretty clear here. You can't play from two soundtracks. It's not possible. No one can serve two masters. You're going to love one and you're going to hate the other one. Or you're going to be devoted to one. You're going to despise the other one. You can't have two foundations to your life. What is at the foundation of your life? Honest question right now. Where have you placed your hope? Where is your faith based? Where have you pushed all of the chips on the table towards Because you can't split them. That's what Jesus is saying in this moment. You'll have heard it said often here at KXC, the story you live in is the story that you will end up living out. What story are you living in? Are you placed in the grand narrative of what God is doing? Of the kingdom of heaven advancing? Of all creation, the entirety of the cosmos being made new? Are you placed in the story of what he wants to do in your workplace, what he wants to do with your family, what he wants to do with your friends, what he wants to do in your life, or is God a little character in your story? Does God come and get invited in every so often when you're struggling? God, I need your help today. That's a worthy prayer, by the way, but if it's the only prayer you ask, something is wrong with the foundation of your life. What is the foundation of your life? There's a reason money is such a hit in the teachings of Jesus. It has the capacity to control everything. It has the capacity to stifle our faith, to fuel our fear. It has the capacity to make our world smaller and smaller and smaller. Our vision narrower and narrower and narrower. It is powerful stuff. Because as we know, money is a great servant. It can facilitate incredible things. Nothing wrong with money. But it is a lousy master. It is a lousy, lousy master. Your world will become 
very, very small. Thomas Aquinas, who looks incredibly pensive in this picture that's about to come up on the screen, he's also got very large hands, I think, compared to the rest of his body. He's a 13th century theologian and philosopher. He says this, greed causes us to condemn things eternal for the sake of things temporal. Why would we do that? Why would we let the cost be the things of eternity, the things that will last, the things that moths and vermin cannot destroy for the sake of having something now? It makes no sense unless money has an incredible power, unless money has the capacity to play at the foundation of our lives. We're being invited into lives of undivided devotion. That's what this series is all about. What's at the foundation of your life? Second question, what's the fruit of your life? And this is a helpful question for us to sit with because I think greed has this tendency to hide from its victims. Like, I don't know about you, but as we've gone through this series, many of us will be well ready to say, I struggle with lust. I can see that in my own life. I struggle with comparison. I can see that in my life. I struggle with anger, with gluttony. Don't I know it? We can say that we struggle with these things and we see how it plays out in our life really obviously, really readily. But I want us to really ask ourselves today, has greed taken a hold in my life? Maybe the more obvious question is, where has greed taken a hold in my life? Where has greed taken a hold in your life? The psalmist says this, search me, God, know my heart. That's our prayer today. Search me, know me, test me, know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Jesus says, as part of the passage we've read, that I is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Here's another way of translating these words. If you have that Bible in front of you, you'll see a little note next to it, probably in the translation that you have. Here is the the words that were implied with the language of healthy and unhealthy. If your eyes are generous, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are stingy, your whole body will be full of darkness. How much of your life can be marked out by generosity? How much of the way that you see other people, that you see the world around you, can be marked out by generosity? Generosity of money. Generosity of time. Generosity of opinion. Are you always the one who's right? Or can someone else in a conversation have a perspective that might be worth something? It might be worth something more than yours? Where's your generosity of material goods, your generosity of spirit with those around you? And I think here there is honestly some incredible news. Because if we go up to the top again, Jesus says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you've ever been here for a giving talk, that giving talk I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, you would have heard Pete use this um, passage to to describe. If you want to see... What has gripped your heart? Look at where you spend your money. And that's entirely right. But here's the thing. Jesus doesn't say where your heart is, there your treasure will be. He's not saying that your money will follow your heart, although I'm sure that's true. He's saying invest your treasure first and then see what happens to your heart. It will follow. Your heart will follow wherever you are generous. 
Whatever you look at in the world with generosity through those eyes, your heart will follow with generosity. And this should be incredible news. I'll tell you why. It's because no matter how broken we are, no matter how fragile we feel in this area, however tightly we hold on to material things, Jesus is saying, let the fruit of your life start to influence the foundation of your life. Let the way you live your life start to influence the things that you want to put at the foundation of your life. So here's the encouragement. Start to give. Give. Be generous. Do it indiscriminately. Give to whoever is around you. Give to whoever may be in your company or without. That is the invitation here. You cannot and you will not outgive God. I promise you that. You cannot outgive him. He always gives back. It may not be in the way you're expecting. It may not be financially. That's a very dangerous piece of of teaching, by the way. But he will always give back. You cannot give more than God. Be generous. It will lead your heart. That's the invitation here from Jesus. And here's a genuine practical tip that I got taught as a young Christian. Go on secret giving missions. Now, I remember being told this and thinking that the lady who was describing it, she led the church I was at at the time. I was like, you are crazy. And then as she described it, I was like, there is something incredible about this. And as you do it, you experience the freedom of this. Here's my encouragement. Go to a cash point. Put some money in an envelope. Go up to someone's house. They might be someone you know, they might be someone you don't. Put it through the letterbox and run away really, really fast. Because if they see what you're doing and they know who you are, if they don't know who you are, then it's also quite strange. But it's an amazing thing to do. It's like extreme sport giving. It's genuinely amazing. And it gives you a buzz, probably not least because you're terrified of getting caught or found out or something like that. But there's also something that you're receiving in that moment. With generosity becomes, comes this extraordinary gift back because your heart is being transformed into a generous heart. Try it. Believe me, try it. It's the most amazing thing. I'll give you my address later on. <laughs> now, I'm really aware, and I really mean this, I have the privilege of walking through life with many people in this room. I'm aware of this, this coming back, saying, John, I can't stash banknotes in an envelope. I can hardly get one banknote out of the bank and put it in my own wallet. That's how things are right now. I totally get that. But we're given this beautiful little story of the poor widow earlier in the Gospels where she puts these two small copper coins. This is her offering. This is her tithe. This is what she has to give to the temple. And Jesus is standing with his disciples and he points at her and he says, truly I tell you, this woman has given more than all of the others. They gave from their wealth, but out of her poverty, she has given everything. She has pushed her chips onto this side of the table and said, I'm all in. That's what's being asked of all of us. This isn't about the amount. This is about the posture. This isn't about counting the pennies. It's about being all in with Jesus. And I want to I bring you into an experience that I get fairly regularly. And that's whenever something comes into our bank account. And it might be the monthly stipend I get paid. It might be a gift from a family or friend. It might be a pay rise from a promotion when that used to be a thing. And, and here's the dominant emotion. Here's the dominant feeling that I experience. It's utter relief. It's utter relief. Why? Because financially, however tight things might be, it's a lifeline. I'm through the next one. 
wait for the next month to come round. It's utter relief. And it has nothing to do, by the way, with the amount of money in our bank account. It has everything to do with the posture of my heart. Because it says, God, if you're busy today, if you're helping someone else today, don't, don't worry, I can do today on my own. I don't need you for this one. I'm going to be fine. I wonder how common that is for other people. Like, if, if, if God, you don't want to be generous today, I'll, I'll be fine. I can cover my own way. And I think that we're being invited into something more, guys. We really are. We're being invited not to operate with fear, but to operate with faith. I want to land with this story from later in Matthew. Many of us are going to know it well. It's in Matthew 19. It's the story of the the rich young ruler. And it says this, Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Jesus says, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you want to keep, enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Fair question. Jesus replied, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All of these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? And Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go. Sell your possessions. Give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. It's this fascinating little interaction. Here's the lowdown on this guy. He was someone clearly of great financial wealth, but also great moral wealth. It says that he was wealthy, but he also abided by these commandments. The commandments that he thought his life needed to be marked out by it's even better than that he knows he lacks something is there anything worse than someone who has it all together but then they also come to you and say but i'm I'm still struggling with something like yeah you've got some humility there as well i love that (laughs) it's extraordinary guy who was standing in front of jesus let's not take anything else for granted at this point it's an extraordinary man and you can imagine this rich young ruler going down this list jesus is talking about like not to murder tick done that not commit adultery tick done that not steal tick so and so on i've got all of it jesus says, go and sell it all go and sell everything you have give the money to the poor and then you will have treasure in heaven and he walks away sad another translation says he's grieved he's already feeling the loss of what's about to come. And there's lots we could dwell on in this conversation, and a lot of it just relates to everything I've said. But here's what strikes me most about this interaction. Here's what I really think the Spirit wants to do with us today. It's so personal. It's so personal. This isn't an academic exercise. This isn't a set of concepts to get on board with. This isn't some some rich theology to wrestle with. It's eye-to-eye with Jesus. And in Mark's version of the story, he adds in here, looking at him, Jesus loved him. Jesus saw into his soul and he loved him. He wants it all. He wants every part of this guy. He wants this man to live in the fullness of the love of God. And I honestly believe Jesus would want to stand eye to eye with each and every one of us today and say, I want everything. I want your dreams. I want your ambitions. I want your plans. I want your future. Yes, I want your money. But it's not about giving to something specific. It's about the posture you have. 
Do you look at the world around you with generosity? Do your eyes lead you with generosity? I want you to be willing to part with anything, anywhere, anytime. Why? Because you trust me. You trust me. That's what he wants. And why is this? So that you might have treasure in heaven. The the reason this guy has missed it all is he doesn't understand what awaits him. Here's the beauty of, of whenever we're using this language of treasure in heaven. The treasure is Jesus. He alone is enough. That is the treasure that awaits But there's something more. There's something even more precious. And here's what we're going to start with as we start ministry in a moment. He he wants all of you. You are his treasure. The treasure in heaven that's available to each one of us is the awareness. It's the knowledge that he wants you. He wants you. With all your faults, with all your fragilities, he wants you. You are his treasure. 